Tune in weekly to the Piper Carter podcast with Piper Carter for a conscious take on music, arts, politics, and fashion. The founder of We Found Hip Hop has a say on what you should know about culture with a balanced conscience. Subscribe on Apple iTunes or Google Play to the Piper Carter podcast to hear the stories and thoughts of Piper Carter. Follow Piper Carter on Instagram at Piper Carter. All right, we are back in full effect in the Detroit is Different podcast studios. It is Juneteenth, a day that is recognized by a lot of people in the Southwest region that are black and connected to celebrating the day that uh, people were not enslaved. The last people were enslaved by this nation. Um, we definitely honor that. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of celebrations, a lot of uh, commemorations and thoughts on the process of enslavement. And depending upon who you're around and what crowd you're around, you're going to hear a lot of people say that we still enslaved, brother. Mm. And you hear that mm in the background because Piper Like Me hangs around a lot of the people in the Pan-African culture that would say that, brother. And they would also say, brother, we never were right. in the first place as the original people to make their pilgrimage to this land was the black man. In the wilderness of North America. Oh, man, we about to get into some uh, deconstructions of great civilizations. And you got a hell of a guest here to Woo! talk a little bit about that right. as we have the uh, young scribe and tribe member. <laughs> she has joined the gang uh, yeah. of me and you and our... Um, African-centered media arts, uh, hip-hop love, yeah, friendship that has <laughs> built and developed into adding a third into our mix. Miss Brittany rocking the bad boys hat. We yeah. love it. Brittany, how you feeling? I'm feeling good. Okay. okay. I'm around Piper. I'm around Kari. I'm vibing. I feel that. You you bumping some PE. I was bumping some Brooklyn players. I, I've been playing the Brooklyn players <laughs> hypnotized. See, Piper knows that because she was living in New York too long, hanging mm-hmm. around them old school people. Hilarious. This sending me through all the samples though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking her through the the Herb Albert rise. You know. <laughs> then I saw some Ramsey Lewis. Like, what do mm-hmm. you know about Ramsey Lewis? Yeah. yeah. That's that's the vibe I'll be on. That's yeah. why sometimes when people say you ain't listening to this new, it's like I'm listening to yeah. new music comparable to my catalog of music right. I've been listening to my whole life. Right. Heavily influenced by my dad, my mom, my uncles, my aunties. Shout out to all of them. Oh, talk about it. Like, it, it's so many records that, like, I, I've been pulling out the RJ's latest arrival recently. Uh-oh. You know my uncle, William, uh, here we go. was in RJ's latest arrival. I'm going to bring him <laughs> on here. Shouts out to Uncle William. Did you be like, did you run up on him with Charlie Murphy? Like, you know you ain't get that shirt from the men's department. <laughs> nah, <laughs> not my uncle. Hey, nah, there was some tough, hey. <laughs> He'll smack the, RJ the skin off the top of your head. tough-ass <laughs> dudes in it. Shout out my man, M. Fiddler, uh, Butch. Yeah, they, yeah that was shout some, out. Hey, that it was Coney Gardens, East Side, Detroit. They was Seven Mile, Goddard. They were like, let's put it like this. They definitely had the look and the feel mm-hmm. of like Prince and all them. Dudes. Oh yeah, but there was some tough ass dudes. Listen, my ex boyfriend oh, years shit. ago <laughs> came to Detroit and met my family and went to my went to my aunt's house. My uncle was there. My uncle, because you know how y'all black men are, y'all give each other pound to see like what type of man you are, or whatever. So my uncle gave him a pound. 
And he was like, ouch. And my uncle came to me and said, you can't mess with this dude. He said, ouch. I'm pretty sure sure everybody listening to the Piper Carter podcast is hearing the unprofane version of what Piper's uncle said. No, no. That's what he said. He was like, bro. He was like, yo, you can't date this dude. He said, ouch. He was like, how are you going to protect you? He talked about, ouch. I was like, "Eh." but you know what? Shouts out to my ex-boyfriend because... He was hey, a so cool, he... vulnerable dude. I appreciate you, bro. <laughs> Hilarious. Hilarious. And as we talk about firm shakes, um, a guy that is in line and step with a lot of things connected to me, almost to the point where before I met him, uh, so much about me, I know he heard, and so much about him, you know, I heard um, MC. Yep. Uh, does events, does marketing, uh Numbers background, business yep. guy. Works um, with youth. Works with young people, accounting, mm-hmm. um, community organizing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Father. Yep, a pops. That's where we separate. Mm-hmm. But uh, but in, in, in father first. It's his little homies is always with him. They're so awesome. And um, <laughs> They were going to come tonight, but we found that he's a great dad. He was like, he didn't want him out this late. Yep, That's what's see? up, pops. See? And... Uh, and this dude is, uh, when we think about the t-shirts, the branding, and working the merch table, if you go to any Molly Wap show, and if you're in Detroit, you should be going to Molly Wap You have shows. to go to Molly Wap. We're going to have Baba Malik on here, too, so got to go to Molly Wap. a lot of that marketing and branding is through this man right here, G-Mac. What up? Detroit is different. And really, the Piper Carter podcast. This on is, Detroit is different. On Piper Detroit Car- is different. <laughs> Piper Carter podcast on Detroit is different. Yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you came through. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, man. Well, we want to keep inviting you because, right. you know, we always have these conversations where we intersect the African-centered yes, experience, working with youth, hip-hop, all that stuff, so... We wanted you to join this conversation or these conversations because we know you could, you could roll with us. So you know what I'm saying. I know, but I do want to preface this. I already talked to Brittany and Kari and G Mac. We already know that Kari is protesting one of the conversations. Hilarious! <laughs> I can't wait Hilarious. to get. I cannot wait to get into this. Hilarious! Like. Kari like, is protesting. Like I can't <laughs> wait. So and that's how black I am. I'm protesting this. Shit. Like I gotta say, hey. Piper hit me with the topics. And I was like, oh, my God. I cannot uh, wait to get into this today. Well, we, we're going to respect that Kari is protesting. Hilarious. I'm going to respect and, it. And we're hey. going to have the conversation. Hey, you know, we, and I, I'm going to get my two cents on that. Let me tell you. I led of, uh, for, for, about, for about 10 years. I, it, and it's still going. I've, I've led a one-person boycott of uh, China Star in Highland Park. Uh-oh. Because they didn't want to read me up. Okay. Some duck sauce. Uh oh. And you know what I'm saying? If I'm the one person, I, I, it's <laughs> like that. You know what I'm saying? He it's said like they didn't want to read up on duck sauce. <laughs> but that says something about your character, which to Piper's point, I respect it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I respect that. Uh, y'all got to know we in here, we turn it all the way up. We got water mixed with apple juice. It's going down. Yes. <laughs> yes. You diluted your apple juice. No, no, no. I'm two fisting it. One okay. is water, one is apple juice. All right. Yeah. There we go. There we go. There we go. Stay she hydrated and full of flavor. <laughs> <laughs> so, Piper, let's yes, hit us off with the topics. Today is going to be more about music, more about hip hop. Yeah. And, um, 
because we always have guests on here. We got like really, 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 really deep, but we're also multidimensional. So we had we had to bring back in our culture, and we are hip hop, you know, people. That's our culture is hip hop. So, um, I mean, one thing that I wanted to uh, bring up, which is. I don't know, man. Like, we <clears throat> we kind of talk about this. We talked about this earlier um, when we first started the podcast, but about um, in our community, like, the, should I say, the lack of respect for life or the, um, the, 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 the way in which we don't value life. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, I mean, regardless of what we thought about his music or even what he did here on earth which was extra shitty so definitely want to well some of the acknowledge acts, some of the that. acts that we know that he's uh involved and, himself in yeah and so we definitely want to acknowledge you know and at the same time we want to honor that you know this is a a young man a young person he was 20 years old extension um murdered over i'm mean, just say capitalism you know in real life um he was purchasing a motorcycle and um, some guys came up. They had on masks um, and shot him. Um, and, I mean, who knows, right? Like, today's pretty much like the second day we're hearing about it. There, um, there's not that much information. By the time this podcast airs on Thursday, we'll probably have a whole story. But <clears throat> for today, I would like to say um, that that topic made me think about healthy masculinity because... We hear a lot about toxic masculinity, and I just feel that in the context of the black community, and especially with my brothers, black men, or, you know, just all my people, like, I feel like we have to put the energy that we want into the universe. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, like I listened to the um, Charlemagne, like, um, from the Breakfast Club, he gave the Extension fans the donkey of the day today, mm-hmm. because he was, because, like, one of the fans doesn't believe he's dead or whatever, um, because of the social media world we live in. Um, but besides that, um, you know, he really just spoke to like speaking life into existence or speaking death into existence. And he referenced Snoop Dogg and Snoop Dogg, um, being on the breakfast club recently and basically saying how he remembers, he played a clip where Snoop said he remembers that he didn't catch a murder case until he wrote about catching a murder case. And he uh, just realized that a lot of the brothers in hip hop had started um, that were dying from these horrible deaths were actually writing and speaking about these horrible deaths. And at the same time, understanding, you know, just the power of your words and the power of what you put into the universe. And so um, rather than like judge this young man for what he did, I mean, he's no longer here. Um, You know, they took his music off of um, Spotify. Um, He was currently you know um accused of um beating his ex-girlfriend and all of those things and i just think to bring this to a larger conversation like not just specifically about him although definitely think you know what i'm saying as a human being like just my heart goes out to his mom his family you know saw the things online about him and his foundation and trying to do good in the world you know uh with his foundation um just wanted just wanted to bring it back to a conversation around healthy masculinity as opposed to try to have this conversation around what's wrong with our men or what's wrong with our youth just want to have a conversation around like what's what's right and what is it 
that we can uplift so that we can, you know, I don't want to sound kumbaya, but how can we move our communities more towards a healthy space? You know what I'm saying? Like with our men. Well, I I believe um, it. this this touches on a couple of points. And I definitely want GMAC to, to get in and give his take on this. But I do also think that taking into account <coughs> the age of mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. Um, and also the age of most his fans needs to be taken into account. It's, uh, it's funny you mentioned Snoop. And I remember being, so, you know, so young with that whole uh, with the murder of Walter. Uh, uh, what's his name? Walter Merriam. Uh, and the the way the whole murder case went down, uh, I remember you know Snoop showing up at the MTV Movie Awards and hopping out the casket and performing. Murder was the case that they gave me when mm. he had a, um, you know, when it was a warrant out for his address for the murder. Mm. Um, and I remember as a kid thinking like, "Wow, this is amazing," you know. Mm. But since then, just wait, even, wait. When you say "Wow, is amazing," you mean I was enamored with the whole, mm. you know, Kurt Loder stories, and you know mm. what I'm saying. MTV mm-hmm. News, like the the spectacle of it all. As mm. you know, the same way I was um, amazed with you know wrestling or something. You mm. know what I mean? Um, as like somebody made uh, made light of like some of this stuff being like pro wrestling. Mm. Uh, as like I'm just looking at the spectacle of it all. It's like damn, Snoop got a got a you know a song called "Murder" was the case that they gave me. Then he has a murder case pending. Right. Then I see him hop up out of a casket and rap a song. Right. And that whole that whole murder case like changed the trajectory of like who Snoop was in the eyes. Like he started backing away from the character that I remember Snoop being when I first heard him, which was on uh deep covers one eighty, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like Snoop Eastwood. You know what I'm saying? When you first saw Snoop, even though he was a slender dude, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Barely even looking at cameras, you know, everything about right. him was like, yo, that's a LBC crip right there. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. And that, you know what I'm saying? Everything about him was 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 embodied that through doggy style, through murder was the case. Mm-hmm. When he was found not guilty, mm-hmm. the trajectory of his whole life, introducing the fact that, like, I remember him saying, yes, I'm a father. I'm married. I right. have a wife. Right. Like, the whole idea his humanity. of who we saw Snoop as mm-hmm. came, crept up out of this caricature of a gangster rapper right. to being like, damn, Snoop got a family? You know right. what I'm saying? Like, he's no longer Snoop Eastwood. He's he's the dog father. He's like this right. uh, boss-like character. I mean, even when on, uh, you know, All Eyes on Me, you know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, uh, with the whole two of America's most wanted, you know, and Snoop right. even made reference to it. You know what I'm saying? It's like I'm trying to say Tupac free, but they trying to lock me up too. You know, right. in in all of this reference. Now through all of that, you know, still a young man was murdered. Yeah, uh, the danger that's associated with that. As mm-hmm. I think back, even in my own days of being 20, 21, and I'm sure G Mac can talk on this. And me, a mutual friend of me and G Mac of Yusef Shakur, like I'm a couple of stupid mistakes and a couple of people not being in the right place as square as I am with my background from dealing with those same circumstances because at 18, 20, 21, the accessibility that I and my friends had to guns, mm. um, it was just so prevalent. And the reason to use a gun with the emotions connected to that yeah, 
uh, it, it's so many more layers than even somebody getting robbed. Like mm. uh, the whole case where uh, T.I.'s friend was murdered in Cincinnati. That was kind of connected to some of the people in my family. Wow. The whole situation that went down was, you know, T.I. and his crew come into the club. Uh, the girls uh, in, in the, I mean, so much of this kind of is like hyper, as you say, toxic masculinity. Yeah. You know, women start giving more attention to T.I., the guys in, you know, in the club feel like, you know, why y'all jocking up? You know mm. what I'm saying? So I'm not justifying the action, but I'm coming from a place of understanding of being that guy mm. associated with it. You know, uh, the the murders here of the epic uh, shootings between, uh, you know, the Cheddar Boys and, and mm. Blade Icewood. And I remember being in the candy bar that night. I knew Wipeout before he was murdered. The the manager of the East Side Cheddar Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, I did business with Wipeout before he was murdered. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that whole night that that happened, you know, and and just the, the frenzy that that was. We outside yeah. of the candy bar. That's like some high-end club right now where white people go all the time. Um, it's crazy. But, you know, so we're, you know, you're you're dealing with, you're dealing with like a, a tone. And I know people that listen to this may always say, why does things always seem to come back to sex or whatever? But I don't know if it's even sex as much as it's men posturing themselves to validate who they are to women. Mm. Uh, easy access to guns. Um, and, and and if you own a gun, you have a reason in your mind why you would murder a person. Mm. And when you're 19, 20, 21, 22, you know, a night at Rouge Park, a night at Belle Isle, a night at Chandler Park back when I was a kid. Those reasons could pop up very fast, mm. you know. Wait, GMAC, you want to jump in? Oh, no doubt, man. That that you said a mouthful, bro. But the main thing I want to just piggyback on, Piper, when you're talking about how what you say in your music will start to come true in your life. Mm. You know, I got some bars in the song that I say, uh, from a hobby to a habit, the memoirs of Mac. When I was 19, I vowed to speak the truth when I rap. Now, why did I do that? Because I started to realize the things that I was saying that wasn't true was starting to become true. Mm. And so I was starting to create a reality for myself that wasn't my reality. Mm. Everybody was on the tough guy rap, the kill em all rap, the, you know what I'm saying, the Detroit murder rap. And um, I was swept up in that culture. Mm. You know, I was rapping with a rap group at the time called 316. Of that group, one of the members became who uh, later got fame as Street Lord Juan. But he was one of the the initial rappers in the rap group 316. And so when we're talking about these situations where the murders in the city from the rap and the hyper-masculinity and the violence, this is a very much a part of our young upbringing here in Detroit. Mm-hmm. But we have to keep in mind that we are living in a war culture. Mm-hmm. This is a settler society that has been arrived at through war Mm. and so war is an intricate part of this culture most of the budget that the united states revenue is earmarked for is for war and so i mean if we just look at it it's the tone at the top Mm. and those who happen to be down at the lower levels are just caught up in the flow and in in that whole Mm. vibe of this war culture. It's a bigger mm. political issue right. on the table 
the young black male to male violence that we experience is a result of their close proximity to each other. But they're lashing out in imitating that which they exist in, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, and it's interesting because, like, what I do appreciate, because um, I also watched um, on Complex, you know, I hadn't really watched it since Joe Biden left, but The Everyday Struggle. Um, and I do appreciate DJ Academics um, being vulnerable, showing his vulnerability, um, and just being like, look, you know, today is not a good day for me. You know, I really... Uh, feel and academics is you know a, a young guy and i appreciate him saying like you know i'm not even really focused i don't actually even want to be here at work like i can't really understand or believe like what happened and um i was watching this this video of a brother who happens to be a spiritual leader at the masjid that i attend and um i'm, I'm gonna shout him out dr Halim. um he uh i, I looked up <laughs> you know healthy masculinity on youtube he was the first video to come up i was like this is a sign this is great mm -hmm. um he was talking about um some so the, the 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 gentleman that was interviewing him had asked him to you know explain what he felt was toxic masculinity and what i thought was really interesting was he was like um i really don't like to use that word because it's basically condemning condemning people for being um for for being masculine and we really need to focus on what the healthier aspects of masculinity are and how to look at that and he was basically saying that love is really at the root of real masculinity and that um pretty much when you see the so-called toxic versions of that is because those men are missing quote unquote real love and, and, and being loved by a man, i.e. their father, a father figure, or showing them what healthy love between men is, you know, um, and that might be, you know, holding you accountable. That might be making sure that you're um, responsible. This is from his words, you know, um, showing you what to do um, with that aggression, you know, um, n not misogyny, right? Like, <laughs> you know, um, and and not suppressing he was saying basically like the tos toxic aspects are from suppressing your emotions and well, that we're human so we have to learn how to or, or yeah using your healthy masculinity is learning how to use your emotions how to deal with and use your emotions i would i would say a lot of that rings true but also you have to take this in chunks based on a person's age their wisdom and their travels in life as well mm -hmm. um you know, the 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 journeys that take in uh, a person's understanding uh, some sometimes, you know, people are a lot more progressive than uh, than someone that someone can just, you know, watch a person but w misunderstanding the journey that it took them to get to the point where they're at, you know. Uh, right. And and in our community. Uh, there are so many, you know, it's so much smoke and mirrors mm -hmm. uh, just just because, you know, the the idea of a lot of this, especially when we think about hip hop. Um, yeah. And you have a lot of experience in hip hop, you know, as far as um, 
the the idea of how much money people think that they're making mm-hmm. the idea of where things go and let's just let's just talk on, on a local level period it's it's been times where i approach certain local acts and i'll say hey i want to book you for a show right and then they'll say thirty thousand dollars and then right. i'll turn around and i'll say all right <clears throat> let's just say if i got the venue for free mm-hmm. let's say i got security for free right how much of a draw do you have and how many fans do you have and will they fit a venue that, you know, do you have, you know, this many fans that'll pay a hundred dollars? Right. And that's when people's minds start going like, I don't get asked these questions mm. because the other side of a lot of the music industry, mm-hmm. uh, especially, uh, I, I would say even outside of hip hop is this connected to a lot of street money period. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a lot of street money being washed yeah. in many forms of music. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going back to like when Robert Johnson was playing <laughs> blues yeah. to, hmm. to to Jay-Z rapping. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like on all forms. It's yeah. a cash-based business. Mm-hmm. Um, GMAC probably can speak to this more so from accounting. It's mm-hmm. always existed. Uh, you know, people talked about Frank Sinatra's ties to like the Genovese and and all of the mafia connections, mm-hmm. uh, the Jewish mafia's ties to the music I mean, truth be told, a the lot of these industry. acts, you know, it, it currently, uh, there's a few acts I don't want to name. We can't yeah. call their business out. Top national acts that will pay with a garbage bag full of cash, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in a garbage bag. I mean... But um, that, that garbage bag doesn't even necessarily come back to them. It's like right now it's being so revealed Jay Prince's connection to 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 Drake. Mm-hmm. And Drake, you know, like you look at Drake, he's a Canadian guy that grew up in the suburbs of Toronto. Mm-hmm. But somehow he's connected to uh, 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 someone that uh, had a rap label that was that was uh, that had multiple raids and indictments. Right. You know what I'm saying? That like and it's like how does this tie happen? Well, and those I, you tap, know so that's like the this, tap on the shoulder, this like the Barry Gordian, <laughs> and it's access. I mean, yeah, like people say Barry Gordian, and a lot of the reasons, quote unquote, why Motown left. They got Detroit. run out. The you know, he so, got that tap on the shoulder. Like it's time to go. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, when we get into the dangers associated with music mm-hmm. now. I tie this to the toxic masculinity with mm. hip hop because a lot of these acts are so young. I mean, they're, they're yeah. 16, 17, 18, 19. Yeah. My view of women, my view of money, my view of success at 18, 19, you give me an open forum to talk to millions of people, I'm definitely about to be spewing out something completely ignorant with, mm. with I shouldn't say completely ignorant, but lacking of true wisdom because I'm 19. Or even when you mix XX, when you look at him and you see that he has the understanding of conscious behavior, conscious information, and you see that he doesn't necessarily know how to apply it because Mm. of his age, it kind of gives you almost a Tupac feel a tiny bit. Yeah. Just a tiny bit. I got that Tupac feel. You know what I mean? From him. To know what you're supposed to do. To want to do those things, mm-hmm. but to be 16, 17, 18, 19, and, and to have demons and not know how to fight them, mm-hmm. and not to know how to learn from your past and not know words or power, or maybe no words or power, but still mm-hmm. play with them because mm-hmm. you're that young. Mm-hmm. 
it deepens the subject matter. Yeah. I mean, the the platform thing of of where th- where life lies at that young age, mm-hmm. especially for a lot of young men from right the black community, um, it's tough. But even yeah. the glamorization of what because like even let, let's let's get into quote unquote gang culture and what mm-hmm. gang culture is. Um, the gang culture that a lot of young men are associating with is. Uh, uh, is that family it's that love you're looking mm-hmm. to connect with a group of people right. that even in even in as backwards as it may be this is still something that I affiliate with mm-hmm. I right. mean I can't tell you uh, I can't tell you like man the stories I could tell you where I'm like damn thank god I got out of that situation where it could have easily went mm-hmm. one direction over and you end up in a situation where you're, you know, you're, I'm, I'm writing you letters from, from upstate. I'm asking people to put mm, money on my books instead mm. of buy contracts for my marketing firm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just that simple, you know? And, and this is with the, the family I have and the background I have. So, like, with less, just because, I mean, uh, here's, here's a classic example. Like, at that age, you know, you, we have friends to this day that ride around with, you know, that carry pistols on them. You know, and when you're 19 and your homeboy like, yeah, let's go all to the club. You know, do you mm-hmm. have the courage to tell your homeboy, hey, man, I don't need you to ride with a burner with me. Right. And then he going to turn and say, like, man, excuse my French. It's like, oh, man, they ain't going to sweat us, man. You ain't got to worry about that shit. Mm. Are you going to be like, no, let's go on and go back. And, and that, the guy that right. has the pistol has the tickets to Summer Jam. Right. Are you going to be like, mm, nah, he know how to tuck the burner the right way. Right. How, what what response do you have at nineteen? Yeah, you gonna be like you gonna be like, look, uh, that's on him. If we get pulled over anyway, it's on him. But then see the thing of it is, is when you get pulled over, you don't know that it's gonna be on him. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? They could easily say it's yours, and then right. he agreed, yeah. and then you stuck with it. You know? Yep. So yes, yeah, it's, it's 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 crazy how that go. I, I'm just telling you. But at nineteen, I was like, eh, yeah, I let him roll with me. The guy mm-hmm. with the burner. Right. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it, the guy with the burner, when you're 19, is probably the guy you want to hang around. Why you said that? Oh, man. G-Mac, you can break down some of the I story. Mean, I, I mean, I put it like this. Like, everybody different, right? But the guys from my community, you know what I'm saying? We ain't doing a whole lot of gun carrying. That was just how we was. But there was a couple of people who did have the guns. Like, hey, that's on you. You you rolling at your own risk. If we get pulled over, that's your gun. Don't even try to even pretend like that's mine or nothing. You know right. what I'm saying? But, uh... You know, that people, that might just be something that they're dealing with, that they had a situation in the mm. community that they feel like they got to protect themselves. You know, mm-hmm. so I remember when I first moved over on Tyler off Linwood and Davidson and some friends of mine just walking home. Some guys shot at them from the alley uh, from a fist fight that they had had earlier in the week. Mm. And so then they felt like now that they needed to equip themselves with guns. And right. so they, it did, you know, they didn't always keep the gun forever like that, but there was a period in time where, you know, when they was moving around, they had the gun on them. So... You know, it's just, and that's at 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 certain ages, stuff like that happens. Mm-hmm. What and about still the robbery your homeboy, thing? Though? You will say, "All right, I still associate with my homeboy." I'm to the point now. Nah, even if you got a CCW, it's like don't. It's like you need to roll in your own vehicle because I don't need. <laughs> I mean, you laughing, but this is some square it shit. It is. It is. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. I gotta be square at this yeah. day and age because yeah. I don't need to run into no shit. Because yeah. even though you got a CCW, I don't know if you got a felony. 
Right. I don't know if that CCW is real. Right. I don't know what's going on and what else is happening in your background since exactly. you got your CCW. And I'm not about to grill you like that. And I know I got stuff to wake up and do. And the last thing I got to <laughs> wake up and do is show, show up to goddamn 36th District Court or Frank yeah. Murphy. Right. But that's how I feel <laughs> at 35. Right. At, at 20, at 18. Yeah. It was like, oh man, my man, my man that got the burners, and this is what's so fr- crazy. The guy that most of the most of the guys got their guns from at Northwestern, his dad was a cop. Wow. His dad helped sell the guns to people. Of course. From confiscated vehicles. Of I mean, course. from confiscated guns. And God knows how many bodies exist on these. Makes guns. total sense. You know what I'm saying? Because it was good <laughs> money for him. Death. So you just always knew in the back of your mind, it's like, oh man, if I got three hundred dollars, mm. I can get a gun. Right from you know? my friend's father. Right. Yeah. That's so a well. Officer. So tell me about the the robbery thing though, because like, I mean, he goes to, uh, and then when, you know when when Charlemagne played um, the 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 kind of like clips of him talking or whatever, mm-hmm. he was like, you know, if I get killed tomorrow, if something happens to me, type of thing. But it's like he was going to buy purchase a motorcycle, and people just roll up on him. And but part of that, shoot him. Well, it's not a robbery, right? Because part of that is is the setup, and it's also the 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 tough guy attitude. I mean, mm. during the same time, I don't know who the guy is, but one of the young rappers, uh, quote unquote, had a right. home invasion. Exactly. And uh, his girlfriend was like right. smacked in the face, and they say that was the setup too. Yeah, yeah. So part of this, some of some of it is, you know, attitude. Excuse my French. I wish a nigga would. Because some of it is like, I wish somebody would try me like this. I mean, the, the 50 cents attitude of mm-hmm. like, I mean, what Takashi 69 just did in Chicago, showing mm-hmm. up at O Block. It's like, I'm going to go to this neighborhood that where I should not go mm. and purchase my motorcycle. The guy I know that shows up at a, na- you know, if you come to a, 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 a neighborhood cookout over in my neighborhood and you're not from around here and you wear Cartier uh, lenses yeah. and diamonds in them, you're going to be robbed. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just point blank. It, it's gonna go down, especially if you sit around long enough. Rich but it's the still kid. an attitude in the back of your mind where it's like, I wish a nigga would. Rich the kid. So, yeah. So, yeah. like, I mean, part of the attitude in it, it's not like, okay, let me be, uh, you know, let me show up at the Harley Davidson lot, have the dealer bring the motorcycle to my house, and I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go to the grimy rim shop, because this is where all the other rappers go. It's a part of the whole culture of it. Mm. You know, hanging out at the grimy strip club, you know, buying weed from the weed spot. Everybody buys weed. Like, it's all a part of the culture of who you are and, quote, unquote, keeping it real. Mm-hmm. Where um, you put yourself in dangerous situations. But who would know? I mean, I mean, that's just like, who would know that he was there buying something? I mean, in, in the Instagram days, I would say possibly everybody. And then furthermore, because you have a reputation that precedes you. Because he probably bought it from, like, you know, one of those, uh, well, down there it's probably Cubans. But, you know, up here it's, like, the Arab lots or something. Like, mm-hmm. if you get new rims put on your on your car, I mean, mm-hmm. the first thing they're going to do is they're going to be taking pictures with you as a rapper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> saying, hey, we did something. He's down here him. now. And, and, you know, and God knows what type of setup, you know, they mm-hmm. set you up for. Because I, I would go as far as to say the people he bought the motorcycle from wow. probably robbed him and stole. But the thing is that it wasn't, you know, they just w- w- rolled up and shot and killed them. And then the other crazy thing is that people were just, like, filming it. Like, no one was helping. They were just 
filming it. Like, look at this. Look at this guy. I think he's dead. I think he's dead. It's like, I mean, wow. Who said it was a robbery? Well, actually, they didn't say it was a robbery. They just okay. said he was buying a motorcycle. He got murdered. Rich the Kid was the robbery. Yeah, okay. Rich the Kid. I, I mean, I, I think the whole thing is probably like, uh, you know, I mean, we got to be with where I'm from. It's rare that, uh, you know, the most tragic thing that can happen is like an innocent bystander that's right. a true innocent bystander. Right. When I say innocent bystander, meaning you stay to yourself, you don't bother anybody, mm-hmm. and you end up you getting caught involved. up in some street shit. Yeah. Wrong but place, a lot of people time. that get caught up in some street shit is like closely related to someone in some street shit, mm. hanging around somebody in some street shit. Mm-hmm. Associated with somebody in some street shit, right. and this is where, like, as we say, like the the forward thinking and in, in true masculinity. Mm-hmm. To me, like, if we want to address real toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. um, even the whole thing with Ayanna Jones, like, here's a classic. Mm. If R. you're R. in the game, you got to disassociate from from your grandma's house, yeah. Especially if your daughter lived there. Right. I hate to say you gotta you gotta disassociate, yeah, because you don't know how somebody may feel. Yeah, and it's just like that. I don't yeah. care about the whole, you know. I can't visit my family. Nah, you just associated yourself with the streets, and you gotta wear that like a badge of honor. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Ain't no, ain't no retirement. You know what I'm saying? When you in the game, you gotta kind of stay in there. If mm. we want to talk about, I think that that's toxic. I think it's a lot of people that you know have one foot in, one foot out. Now, mm. I mean, other guys can kind of go deeper with this whole discussion, but you know, the minute that you have one foot in, one foot out. And you associate with anybody, you're welcoming them to whatever world of drama that you're associated with. How mm-hmm. he said that whole the guys that jumped him, yeah, he and, and then he still would associate with them. Mm-hmm. By 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 G Mac even associating with that guy in my neighborhood, that is my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. G Mac is opening the door to possibly getting jumped. Mm. And I mean, I, at the gas station, and that guy ain't even around no more because mm. he just somebody that know that guy. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is real. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Oh yeah, this and that's and that's the way we are socialized, man, in our youth. You know, I made a song on a on this album coming up. It's called No Love. And what I did, I took the sample from the Spice One song mm-hmm. where it'd be like uh the trick of gots. Yeah, no heart, no ain't no love trick. I took the ain't no love trick right part because to me that phrase encapsulated my coming of age years. Mm-hmm. The whole thing from the Snoop Dogg records to whoever was spitting on the mic, the whole vibe was no love ain't no love mm. for each other for the women for nothing so like a lot of us came up with that mentality until we learned better and lived thinking like that for like 25 26 you know up to from 18 to 26 uh, 16 to 26 whatever that time span of independence of, of doing your own thing living on your own thoughts and then you start thinking better thoughts yeah. but it's about a 10-year stretch of like straight foolishness mm. that occurs inside of that space. And so, yeah, one of the foolish things is that you absolutely make alliances without uh, careful investigation or any of that. you like, oh, yeah, oh, th- th- yeah, I got a problem with them guys. Okay, well, we got a problem with them guys, right. and that's what this is. And so, it's you know, this it's all a part of that, again, this, this, this over-masculine culture that develops out of this war culture that we watch go all over the world bully take resources kill people like like life is expendable you mm. know what i mean the fact that people showing their video clips or camera phone and the the guy being dead for as long as they did just show you how desensitized we are it's more important to have that fly video to post than the fact that somebody just lost their life right here mm. you know what i'm saying 
and now you exposing all the all these different windows of people being able to see this all their family got to keep seeing them mm. over and over again on the news on social media everywhere you know what i'm saying because right. it's hype and it it build up a lot of traffic and then ultimately somebody get to sell some advertisements you know what i'm saying and all of that like it's just it's just a a, a big cluster of things happening but what i don't want to do is i don't want to make the victim be the person who's responsible for what we are what we witnessing because right. these people who we talking about are pawns mm. in something larger than them you know what i mean and we had to we had to deal with that so to me the toxic masculinity is ingrained in us through the culture and it's our responsibility to rebel. All right, G Mac, you was like really hitting on a lot of points of uh, basically saying that we need to be understanding that a lot of these options and the lack of opportunity that uh, that present the idea of success being placated through uh, the violent culture. Uh, or what we may label as toxic masculinity and it's funny that he said that i don't generally subscribe to that phrase either um because <laughs> it's so weird as i think that you know i guess this may be me getting in my 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 stance is like i feel like men especially black men get blamed for a lot these days but mm. um within it gmac you were like kind of touching on that point of making sure we're clear and understanding mm. that you know, you can easily get played like a pawn. Mm -hmm. Or here we go, King T. Back to some gangster map. Right. <laughs> played like a piano. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. In this system. You know, I just want I just want to be clear that um, you know, the 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 place where we are, the United States of America, this is a place where people came and settled. European powers came and settled here against the will of the indigenous people. Right. Okay. Through war, they achieve a foothold economically, socially, and otherwise. Right. And as a result of this, some, what are we talking about, 17, 76, so, but they were here messing around. Some four, five hundred years of this warring culture, right? And then those people who were, who were not willing to go along with this, now they've been swept up. And it is. So if the culture is war and the way that we perpetuate our success is through war, mm. then there's going to be some side effects of that on the citizenry, on the, on the, on the everyday mm. Joe public. Mm -hmm. He himself is going to start to embody the container within which he exists unless he's consciously aware of what's going on. And then he makes some decisions, some choices for himself. And that's when I started to say, you know, for my children, my biggest goal for them is that they be critical thinkers. Right. They don't just go with the flow of the tide because it's easy. Like we was just at the water park uh, on Sunday and we were in the lazy river. You ain't had to do nothing. You could just sit on the raft and you can go around a circle effortlessly. And that's similar to how life can go. But. You might be going around the circle and the circle might be heading to a cliff <laughs> where you're going to go off this thing and maybe not land so good. So mm. you can make some choices. You can pull yourself the other direction. You can exit. But based on the data that's available to you, I want my children and I employ or everybody to just make decisions based on the data that's there, not just because of the flow or not because some popular person or some historical figure who it worked for at that time did it. But be critical in thinking about what worked now. You know what I'm saying? So we can think our way out of being a victim 
of being overly masculine at a time that could cause your demise. Mm. So now, I mean, in the land of community, uh, what I mean, you both work with youth. You both, um, you know, are people that young people look to. You know, a lot of young guys look to you as, you know, dare I say, a role model or a figure, a safe male figure, if, you know. Um, what is it that, you know, because what I hear a lot in the community or even just from rappers and different people all the time is um, I'm not a role model or um, why are you looking for your role models in your music and your, and, um, oh, um, the, the you're looking to blame hip-hop and movies are violent. Like, there's all this other, like, pushing off accountability to like someplace else yeah and like but you guys i consider like very accountable all the time you're very invested in young people you're very involved in community um with young people what is it that people that you would say to the other male figures or men in the community that maybe and i mean i'm throwing this out there from things i've heard that maybe feel that they are, uh, if I could interpret it, some level of worthless because they've been to prison or because they have not been so-called the, the model citizen or they feel that maybe they don't have anything to contribute to, you know, helping develop a young person or they feel tossed aside. Um, all these feelings of inadequacy that, 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 you know, that we hear about that, um, you know, when we hear people's, uh, or see their actions and things, you know what I'm saying? Are manifestations of this th- this lack of love? And I hate to be so kumbaya, but I am. So you know, if you could interpret that in, um, I mean, to to me, the way that I see that is whether we want to be or not, we're role models. Someone is watching you. Someone is paying attention to what you're doing, and especially if you are very active in the community in a very visible way. Um, around children people are paying attention young people paying attention i had a young brother come up to me and tell me that he liked the the song that i did the middle passage a couple african liberation days ago and he said that song saved his life um i didn't expect for him to say that i didn't expect for that to be anybody's reaction to that song i was documenting history but what i'm saying is we don't know what someone else is going to do with whatever and so we always have to be conscious of that. And to the brothers who say that they're not a role model, I got news for you. You are, whether you want to be or not. So step into your greatness and stop trying to find an excuse to make it seem like uh, don't look to me as a role model because this, that, and the third. Because the good, the bad, and the ugly, people paying attention. And so at moments when young people are around or the spotlight is on you, be conscious of that because our community is dependent upon that. Wow. That's a good way to put it. Step into your, step into your greatness because the the brother that Piper pulled up said, you know, basically he didn't like labels of toxic masculinity. You know, it's like our society loves labels, but they hate labels. So you, a brother that's trying to do right, you hear toxic masculinity, you run away from it, but you could be still toxic per the definition of what they're trying <laughs> to accomplish. So mm. now you're not even trying to fix yourself. But when you use words of love, step into your greatness, mm-hmm. you know, now we talking. Now we can have a conversation. Love yourself. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking not to- pointing a finger, mm-hmm. toxic masculinity. I ain't toxic. What you mean? You toxic. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. it's how you address the youth. 
It's how you hold that mirror up to the youth. And what is, like, I guess also, too, like, I mean, because we're now however many generations, three or four, with what we would call what, like, fatherless, like a fatherless nation, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a lot of fathers. Shouts out to the great fathers. We just had Father's Day. Um, mm-hmm. And shouts out to all the great fathers. But, I mean, when I talk with a lot of brothers and they and they do get vulnerable and they tell me they don't know what it is to be loved by a father. So they uh, don't know what that what that is. So how do you have that conversation about self-love with a man or a young person that probably doesn't even have an experience of love? Well, um, just having such a strong relationship with my father <coughs> as he was the prototype, but he didn't have such a strong relationship with his father. What's so funny is I think I had a stronger relationship with his father than my dad did. You know mm. what I'm saying? So... You know, it, it's do you many know why? Layers. Do you know why you oh, had a strong so, relationship? So many, uh, just mm. just the presence of like you know. Um, he was present in your life more. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. So like, um, you know, it, it's layers to these discussions. My grandfather, um, mm. my father was born while my while my grandfather was incarcerated. Mm. So um, at that time, my grandmother, as as they. As they say, my grandma ain't no hold no man down type of woman. Mm. So, you know, that that causes the split, which I think is actually better for, for so much of my family because I think they'd have drove each other crazy. Mm. But um but with that being said, the the tragedy in it all was um a strained relationship throughout the life of my grandfather, who uh who was uh another one of my heroes. I had two strong prototypes of um how to make decisions how to be in business, entrepreneurship, uh, black ownership, uh, what independence is, what confidence is, and drawing a vision and love for men. But I don't even necessarily know if I would I would say it as love as much as they were like really, even to this day, uh, the relationship I have with my father. It's 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 a. Uh, um, it's a form of um, what would be a great term to use. Why not love? It's a form of <laughs> no. I mean, it is love, but when I think of love, it's it, no. It's a little bit deeper mm. because it's almost like they see the potential in me that exists, and they hold me to a standard where it's always challenging me to go that extra step mm. to see that extra vision. When I think of love, sometimes I think that. Um, I guess just due to my own understanding of it, I think that love is is a is an endearing uh, commitment to where people are at. It's people I love that I just accept them for where they're at, and I'm gonna love them regardless, almost unconditionally. So the love exists, but it's also a a, a level of of standard that they always kept me to accountability. It's, it's mm-hmm. accountability and it's mm-hmm. seeing the potential. And it's like, you can, you can run that mile a little bit better. You can go a little bit further. You can do a whole lot more. You need to fine tune your vision just so that you can take advantage of and exploit what needs to be exploited so that now you can come back and give more, um, you know, abundantly back to the family. So I, I, I think it's a little bit further than that. Now, now when it comes to if if someone does not have that, if someone interpretation of that, I mean, I have no idea where I would be 
without the presence of my father in my mm. life as a role model. But I also do think that some of the ideas of which men were to father in back in the day, quote unquote, versus today, things have changed. You know, um, some of it was, you know, a guy that came home, brought home the bacon, said mm. what it was, disciplined the children and went to sleep, you know, mm. cracked open a brew, went to sleep. Um, you know, some of this stuff has changed as, as society, just due to uh, what society says, has impacted many of the homes. Mm-hmm. Um, so even when people talk about the fatherlessness, uh, that that whole role of a man being vulnerable enough to show any form of emotion, mm. not just to children, but to a woman, to, to, to a man showing that emotion to someone outside of their mother. Mm-hmm. Is, is like a new like this is all new and then even to this day may not necessarily be looked at as we deal with uh the mental illness that mm. that exists in our community the 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 scope of where mental illness lies the roles that i believe uh often women want a man to fulfill mm. that sometimes like will flip like Every day, like, you know, it's like pay all the bills, but I want to make the decisions. And you know what I'm saying? So, like, a lot of men can be very confused. And and sometimes you just need that soundboard, somebody to to kind of be even a peer. Like me Mm. and G-Mac go back and forth. Uh, I remember vividly uh, as he was going through what he was going through with, um, you know, and and now in a co-parenting situation. But, you know, from that from that having a wife. That mm-hmm. was a mother to now co-parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, I mean, he would reach out and he'd say, you know, a couple words to me. And it's almost like we we peers in the same struggle. Like, I'm like, hey, man, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but that's even a zone. Sometimes when you get into that man-to-man love that we still... And I don't want to say pause even after that statement. <laughs> but, but like, when you get into those zones, you know, you need... A, a support system that we're still, I believe, as men, um, not necessarily opening up to because of the the mask mm. we got to put on to face society mm-hmm. of feeling as though we always have to be invincible and have an answer to whatever, even if we know the answer is wrong. Let me get in yeah. this with you. So Go. I'm a I'm a product of a a home where my mother and father divorced by the time I was 11, and so uh, I didn't really have in my main teenage years, the father influence that I needed, I sought that from individuals outside of my house, people that it was in their best interest to advise me in ways that were beneficial to them, not necessarily me. And so as a result, being a young person, I got involved in a lot of different things. I spent a whole bunch of time down the wrong path. Mm. But that was all great for my character development mm. and learning in other ways for me to be able to understand other things in my life. But um, when I came out of that whole phase, I found myself at Lewis College of Business. Okay. Now, at Lewis College of Business... Wait, wait, what age? This was 19. Okay. This was 19. So, at Lewis College of Business, it's like all kind of black professional men. Oh, wow. Like... Dialis Allen, someone who we probably all know in the community. Uh, yeah, that was, was my guy, too. I yeah, went to Lewis. You know I love Dr. Allen. Come on, man. He was the dean of the business department, <laughs> and okay. he taught intro to business. He taught 
so smooth and clear. You get the lesson. You know what okay. I'm saying? My man, okay. Dr. Green. Shouts uh, out. Larry Polk. I met these professional black men who I was who I could step outside in the parking lot and talk block talk to. Okay. Or go in the classroom and learn how to talk corporate talk mm-hmm. so that I would be bilingual. And right. then, so in this way, we're talking about what do we do? What do we tell young men who doesn't have a father figure and who may not even know that love from one man to another? Mm-hmm. Um, and anybody who thinking that this guy some type of homosexual thing, something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is, for for people who who have not had that experience, I would suggest to them find an ally, find a mentor. In these men, I found mentors, mm-hmm. and I found somebody who I could pattern certain of their positive traits after mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. in my own self and learn you know some things that i wouldn't learn without these relationships mm. and so you know for those i'm thankful that wait i got a quick question get, i just say this and i'm be through mm-hmm. we got to get back to the community thing that's very much a part of who we are mm-hmm. as african people you know this individualism is a separate thing that yeah. comes from this world culture society that we inflicted upon but that ain't necessarily our natural nature and way of being and my brother curry nothing not nothing is deeper than love that's one we could fight about love i think is the deepest thing there can be Mm. i think the description of love that you were referring to relates to more of a romantic sense of the word or the use of it but to me love is like the intelligence that causes atoms and shit to excuse my language to to come together and form more complex life forms like Mm -hmm. love is deeper than that romantic or the feeling of you caring for you and making sure that you straight like it's it's intelligence to me yeah it's the intelligence that causes life to progress and continue i have i just have thank you i have a question um you were able or you whether you were able or not you expressed trust Mm -hmm. with the professors and the teachers and when i talk to young people one of the main things that young people tell me is that they don't have trust they don't they don't trust their parents they don't trust the people in their community they don't trust their teachers they don't have adults who are quote unquote safe that they can trust how is it that um two questions actually one how is it that you were Either I want to say is the question that you were able to trust or how Mm. did you trust? And then I think the second question is how is it that a young person can develop even, I don't know, the muscle or the opportunity to trust? Right. I was looking for something just to speak on me and then I passed. But I was looking for something. I had had a near-death experience Mm. in in Columbus, Ohio in the drug world, you know, and so... Mm. Um, when I got back to Detroit, one of my goals was to go back to school. Wait, wait. At what age did you have this experience? This was at 19, like right so before all I went was to, yeah, all at night. Right okay. before I went to Lewis. I as soon as I got out of jail, I came here and enrolled in Lewis. But wait, the, how long were you in jail? I was only in jail for a matter of months. But that but was enough. Before I was in jail, I was <laughs> shot by the police. So oh my god. It was like a whole big drama in my life my that goodness. that changed the path that I was going down. Mm. But um I was looking for something. Okay. So in looking for something, that's how I was able to trust folks who who made themselves available. But I would just encourage young people to take the chance because 
people will reveal who they are to you when you start to deal with them. And then if you see some things that don't align with what you're looking for, back up. But as long as everything is making sense, again, always being a critical thinker and weighing as you go along. You know what I'm saying? Mm. But let's say like that person, because I used to... um I used to uh, do, I used to be a teaching artist at um, Detroit Public School, um, Cody, and another one, uh, that's on the west side, and also Pershing on the east side. And a lot of the, and I used to uh, work with mostly 11th graders, and 90% of them are young men. Mm-hmm. And when I'm talking to them, they're so closed, they're just shut down, they're so shut down. I mean, fortunately, I'm the type of, you know, teacher or educator, or whatever, that's going to be patient, take that time, and understand that you have to develop trust and, yep. and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But um, I'm so I guess I'm looking at a lot of the young people that I even come across, whether I'm speaking to young people or mentoring them or workshop with them. I'm wondering, like, when I talk with them, a lot of them are so closed. I don't mean it as a judgmental, it's as an observation. A lot of them are just really closed. The young women too, and it's like I, they've just been so. There's would, so many, so many, dev, so much devastation. I would say um, another thing to consider too is, I mean, just their perspective of of where things lie. Um, right. When we talk about trust, definitely, I wouldn't even just say it's young people. You know, a lot of people itself. You know, I think if you just took a poll of most Americans, they probably would say, I don't trust many people. Mm. But definitely when I was young, I probably would say that, mm. you know, um, without even understanding the whole concept of what that means mm-hmm. and where trust relies. But mm. uh, for, for most of these ethics that we talk about, uh, love, trust, uh, value systems, accountability, uh, it's a it's a it's a give and take. You know, as you start reassessing um, the values and the expectations that you would like to set for others and the way that you want to be treated, right. you have to start assessing the way that you treat others in mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and these are lessons learned over time. So you may mm-hmm. not get it from everyone. And then everyone that offers it may not be your cup of tea. Like that scared straight approach actually does work with some students. Wow. Yeah. You know, I'm I not mean, for that. I, I'm not for it either. <laughs> but I've seen it. I, I've seen it work. I've seen it work. It doesn't seem like it. I've seen some football coaches, hmm. you know, grab guys by the helmet, shake them and, and yell at them. But it just due to their experience. And that's what gets through. Hmm. And then I've seen certain people just be quiet and wait for people to, you know, the hmm. approach of like, hey, when a person's ready, they'll come to me. Right. And right, that right. works for them. Like. I, I believe, if anything, not just for children, but for people themselves, mm-hmm. like we need to have a, a, an array of options to, to, to take at whatever that opportunity is, right. especially if these opportunities we're talking about is to enhance and, and, and continue to develop our altruistic traits. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, you know, it, it, it's 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 like religion. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, I don't follow any faith per se you know uh in the sense of like a a a church but i grew up on christian values so i'm christian but i'm I'm definitely not the parishioner that's going to be telling you to uh come to me this sunday and saying have you accepted christ as the lord and did he rise from the dead i'm not going to do that but that's where i'm at in my journey 
Right. But a person there in their journey sometimes can can awaken different things, mm-hmm. whether that be Islam, whether that be Buddhism, whether that possibly be atheism. I mean, so much of, of these altruistic traits that we want between uh, 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 seeing the humanity in every other person we interact with, it, it's, it takes a journey. And we all uh, need different people and we hear different people where we're at in different times. I mean, the yeah. patience I have... Uh, for for certain things that I never had patience for and the lack of patience I have for things that I could wait for forever for is a transcending of where I'm at just due to where I'm at in time. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, you know, we used to, I remember days where we would specifically go to the mall to buy some clothes so that we can hang out and then go to the club. I would never do anything like that right. and put that energy into something like that. Right. But then it's things I do today where I would never think like, wow, I'm planning, you know, my meetings and making agendas and, and thinking this far in advance for something that I never used to think. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, it takes a, a bevy of seeing different people do different things mm-hmm. to get on different tracks of discipline mm-hmm. uh, or or self-enlightenment, um, mm-hmm. uh, 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 self-development. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people, I do think it, it takes a readiness and sometimes that readiness may not necessarily be because this is the the real quote unquote elephant in the room when we even bring up the term toxic. It's addressing kind of what GMAC said. America itself is toxic. Mm. So sometimes it takes some toxicity to even get through to a person. Wow. You know, that's deep uh, in, in, in this day and age and just in America itself. You know, mm. like I look at um, here we go. People, we, we shout the praises of uh, of the Black Panther Party, very well aware of the way that the Black Panther Party was not as progressive as it should have been treating right. women. Right. Absolutely. I, I kind of want to um... shout the praises of Martin Luther King. <laughs> yeah. Right. Very well aware and progressive of not of knowing how the way they suppressed women. Right. We shout the praises of uh, of the Nation of Islam. Same thing. You know what I'm saying? So, like, some of this is understanding that, okay, through Elijah Muhammad's message to the black man, I can get here. And then from message to a black man and Elijah Muhammad, I can say, all right, I'm not in all agreement and following the idol worship of what this represents, but I'm glad I got here. And now I need to keep progressing so that I'm not looking at women in, in, in the way that I feel like not fully respecting them and so forth and so on. And some of those brothers are progressive like that. And some aren't. But it's just the journey of where people are at. So, Brittany, I know I cut you off. No, it's all good. All your, the, uh, I mean, honest, to that. honestly, all that wraps into really what I wanted to state. And what I said, want to state is not a solution. It's just something that this conversation has me thinking about. You guys kind of gave a, a preface of your background and my background is, you know, my father wasn't in the household like a lot of backgrounds. Um, I knew my father. I respected my father. But I didn't have that uh, relationship where I came home and got the father perspective or father voice. So I used to sneak in my room and listen to hip hop. And gratefully, the hip hop I was listening to was progressive hip hop. You know, I started off listening to Tupac. I started off listening to Nas. I started off listening to rappers who use their mental to pin. So with that being said, from a this is a woman's perspective, and just to not digress too much, Piper, before you got upstairs, I told them that 
I'm learning as a woman, I don't feel necessarily comfortable always speaking on masculine issues. I think that, you know, women should, in our in the black community especially, women should address women issues and men should address men issues. Not to say that they don't, they can't coexist, the opinions can't coexist and we can't build. But I think there's some things that men should hear from men and women should hear from women. And that's just my opinion. Yeah. However, I will state that we live in a generation right now where if I grew up with hip hop being my father, just imagine how hip hop is the father of so many young black men in our community. Right. And women. And women. Mm -hmm. And so when you take a look at it, like I just told you who I found myself listening to, but these rappers who are not listening to that, you know, it's, it's, it's a generational thing. You know, this generation is not even listening to Jay-Z. Their their father is Lil Wayne. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Their father is um, Migos, a lot of them. But let's let's even... And I'm not... And that's not a not... even unpack that in some some ways as I know some of these rappers that are labeled in... Like, people even label... Like, I don't believe there's a such thing as unconscious or negative rap personally. But people even label me as a positive conscious rapper. I'm like, whatever. But a lot of the guys that are labeled as conscious and positive rappers. Right. I've seen their behavior. A lot of Especially with women. And it's less progressive than right. when I hang around the guys like Gucci Mane that are labeled as negative. So it's like sometimes the, the reality of if this is just like if this challenges your thought process of mm-hmm. what you think a person is to the quote unquote exactly reality of it mm-hmm. where do you stand do you stand still saying that like hey man most deaf is still most deaf or do you say like man most deaf should be present in the lives of his children well well you know what I'm i just want to i want to get to I, uh-uh. i'm not even i'm not even so <laughs> I mean, those, even those are those fired. are shots fired well I, shots fired let me shots take a fire let me take a step back i'm not even going into the root of who these people are i'm going off into the image that they represent what their lyrics represent and from a a person that is between the age group of 9 and 16 and they're listening to these rappers and what they see and what they hear not knowing their background and we get back to you know xxx and we talk about being okay to talk about death Mm. being able to relay these messages and i don't know his his upbringing but even if he had a mother and a father in a home but hip-hop is a father and a mother to a lot of us so just on the message on the on on learning what is okay and what are the what are the um what are the acceptances of what to talk about in your message when you even take it back to Snoop Dogg? Nah. When you don't hear when you don't see Snoop Dogg as Snoop Lion or putting out a Christian album, but you go back and you listen to that music mm-hmm. because I mean, you study the game because hip hop is your father and you think that that's okay, not to say it is or isn't. Wait, wait. I, I think they're both not to me, and I guess this is just me, but the message in your real life to me, mm-hmm. and this has been the biggest problem I've always had in hip hop. You know, I, I can tell you, I'll tell you a story after, and then I want you to jump back mm-hmm. into where you're at. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. To me, they go hand in hand. I don't think they so are. So, like, either. the, I don't, I don't if think they the are message, but I, I can, if I have a message saying, hey, help the community, take care of the community, you have a role in the community, but then I'm a, I don't actually raise my children. 
I could be just as destructive uh-huh. as the guy that raises his children yeah. uh-huh. in real life. Pick these hoes. But agree. I don't know what. But this is the toxicity. Uh-huh. Like I say, this is the agree. toxicity. So it may mean something that a guy like Snoop, that's like, I don't love these hoes. Actually, like when he sits around and he talks to most of the gangster rappers in the Crips, he's like, yeah, man, I'm taking care of my kids. And then it may, on the flip side, be more impactful on the other side. So, like, this is the dichotomy of what exists in our community as we are dealing with some very unique uh, challenges and situations. 100% agree. And I will But the reach, but I guess what what you're kind of saying, Brittany, the reach of the music is further than the reach of the personal touch. Sometimes to Curry's point, right? Mm-hmm. And the only thing I'm saying is I'll just to, to prove the point that I'm really trying to make is that I agree with everything you're saying. Yeah. But in order to get there, you have to under kind of stand the levels. Like for me, again, no father in a home. I was 10 years removed from the Cosby show. I am not a Bill, before the Bill Cosby thing, I never was a Bill Cosby thing. Because back to love and back to understanding the root of your culture, I never liked the way he presented the message to the black community. That always turned me off a little bit. What do you mean? In the show or in Outside real life? Outside the show, in okay. real life. Mm-hmm. However, I cannot take away the fact that Bill Cosby laid the foundation for me of what a black home could look like. Right. I can't. Yeah. That that did something for my soul. Like you that's a saying? classic example. So that's I, a it, classic it, example. it goes both ways to what you're saying, yeah. and I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, that's a classic and example. The hip hop thing is just a statement that when we go to address the issue of toxic masculinity or changing the message and cultivating the community and bringing the community since back, we have to take a look at the root that a lot of these men, father figures, come through the people that they primarily listen to and that's why i think it's powerful mm. of what you're doing with women in hip-hop mm-hmm. you're you're meeting them where they're at that's the mm-hmm. key. and that is powerful you know mm-hmm. what i mean when you talk about teaching things through music right so that's a perfect segue back to uh what your original question was relative to how do you get people to uh to trust and be receptive to opening up when they've already decided they're not gonna talk to people um i had a privilege of being an accountant and also a volunteer over at our kibaline village this shout out to our kibaline kibaline village in the house 40 years this year founded in 1978 they're celebrating 40 years this year bro when they were operation get down they was around (laughs) the corner from my grandma's house my auntie worked there me and all my cousins used to go to operation get down on grass for the youth program every summer the babalo boat Mm -hmm. we used to get the free lunches from there i hated milk they used to save me two chocolate milks because that's the only way i would drink milk it's an institution. Bro, institution, African center to the core. They had pool. Mm-hmm. We used to have crushes on the boys that played <laughs> basketball. We used to go over there and play double dutch. I mean, Operation Get Down was the foundation. So, shouts out to Akibalon, still here. And so, still if Piper doing Carter it. is any example of the product <laughs> that Akibalon Village produces, then you know what they're doing over there. But the bottom line is, they have a recipe that the founders shared with me that they use to attract young people to become long-term members in the program. And it's a it's a recipe that he gained over the years. He's a very wise individual. Shout out to Marvis Cofield in But um over his years of living, he's put together this three-legged stool of how you get 
a person to become a full-fledged member of what you're about. And this is something that gang leaders do. Mm. Pimps do it to prostitutes and other folks in other underworld type of scenarios where we find people flocking to and giving tremendous amounts of loyalty to. They operate using this same paradigm. And so it's care, respect, and trust. Mm. And so the first thing, that, and you were saying how you get them to trust you. So the first thing is you, is you show them you care. He say they never care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm. So you got to show them that you care. So when young people come to our Kiva line, because they come for all kinds of reasons, like supposed to go do 60 days at the juvenile detention facility, but you got a shot at avoiding that if you do 60 days over at our Kiva line village right. and take this intensive behavior modification, blah, blah, blah. So they get in the door with all of whatever's been going on in their life before they got there. And the first thing that that's done is they love them. Mm-hmm. They love them. They mm-hmm. put them in the mom and baba environment, nurture them, let them know that they somebody. They ain't no criminal. You not do- your circumstances. All that type of stuff. They yeah. show that they care. Then respect. Care is also touching their humanity. Yeah. You somebody. Yeah. Some of these young people I've, I've, I've observed don't see any possibility for their life beyond mm. the negative examples in their community. It's so true. They think that it is their destiny to be the dude with the rims and this all mm. of that you know what i'm saying like they don't see themselves in any other context as owners as sustainers as builders as builders. leaders exactly. something that's adding mm-hmm. to you know what i mean so but you show them the care then you respect so you respect me i respect you right i'm not going to belittle you because you're a young person but you're not going to talk to me right without respect mutual respect you know what i mean so mm-hmm. i'm going to respect you to the degree that you respect me and we'll respect each other if nobody right. else have ever respected you i'm gonna respect you show i'm modeling what respect is right mm-hmm. and so and then finally trust right showing them i got your back and i want you to have my back Right. So when they go to the court before the court, that's courts, deep. And then people come in there and they say, "So what's been going on with Londell this week?" Oh, he's been on top of everything that we've given him. You know, he's completed all his assignments. He shows enthusiasm. He's making plans for his future that you wouldn't believe. Right. And it's all because of whatever, whatever, whatever. And all I swear, I'm not even making this up. All of the young people that come through that program do a 180. Right. They flip the script. And right. their parents be blown away. Like, what did y'all do? In fact, after they be finished with the little 60 days or whatever, they still hang around. They join the martial arts team or something mm-hmm. to still be around. Because those three elements give people a reason to open up and accept new families. Real quick, what are the programs that they have there? So the the foundation of Alkibaline Village is martial arts. So that's African martial arts? African-centered or? martial arts. Alkibadol, mm-hmm. which is the African way of martial arts. Okay. Um, so that's the founding element of the program. But then in addition to that, there's, like I said, behavior modification. Mm-hmm. We do out-of-school suspension. We do uh, home visit, chronic truancy intervention. And then um, we also do African drum and dance, cultural education. We go into different schools, teach them workshops and different stuff about West African drum, dance, all kind of stuff. And you have girls and boys. Girls and boys, yep. Mm-hmm. And what's the ages? The ages anywhere between five to seventeen. So, um, for those who don't know, can you just tell us what does the word Alkibalan mean? So Alkibalan comes to us from the research of Dr. Yosef Benyakinen. Shout It's out. an ancient name for the continent that conquerors who came later called it Africa, but the people indigenous to the region uh, used it in many places along the geography of that continent, and they called it Alkibalan. 
Right, because the word Africa was like some white dude's name. Yeah, probably. Yeah, no, it I've was. heard a few versions. Yeah, yeah. A, a, uh, CPR, African something, or something Greek. like that. I've heard a few <laughs> versions of right. it, but the bottom line is, it's a Johnny Come Lately name, and that was a name that people who were indigenous to the region were calling it before Johnny came lately. Right, and so, um, what do you do there? So I'm an accountant, um, and I keep the books at the village. But in addition to that. I, mean, I just really do whatever needs to be done um, as far as writing grants, um, human resources, discipline when the youth are out of order in the class and they need to be sent to the office, like an uh, office-type environment. Right. They think that I'm like the principal kind of okay, guy. Okay. So they have to come in my office and deal with Baba Greg. But, I mean, I love it. My children go there. You know? Okay. Um, that's, a, that's a good sign. Yeah. Like, if you're... Uh, if your kids go to any youth program or school <laughs> and the adults there have children your children's age and you ask them where their kids go and they tell you they don't go there and Watch you ask out. them why and they say oh no <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean I, I've uh, and I'm, I'm a product of that with uh, with Northwestern it's not a lot of instructors but uh or people, but I agree. I mean, it's sort of like if you own a restaurant and you don't eat the food. Right. Man, I don't want none. Coney Island. Yeah, I Hilarious. mean, it's, it's interesting. Hilarious. Like, so for those who can't like physically see you, G Mac is an MC. He's a member of the community. He is, um, like we said again, a father. But this is a a pretty young dude. Like, you're. Young, I mean, in the land of you know dudes, <laughs> but I would say um, to me, you represent like a lot of times you know when um, when we talk about a lot of this toxicity in our community, and people say things like, "Why doesn't anybody do something? Why don't people step up? Like, what's wrong with these people? Or men ain't shit? Or blah blah blah?" Like, you completely are the one hundred eighty degree opposite of that. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, to me, you represent the kind of human, the kind of person that needs to be replicated in our community. Like we, we need more like 9 million more of yous. I mean, you're that's a dope compliment, Piper. It, it, it can mean, only be true. made by somebody who's a worker bee though. And not, and not a want to be. And so like that, that's really, that's, that's what it boiled down to. I'm not going to sit around and talk about the problem all day. You know, I'm going to be about it. Right. And, um, I think that's, that's where we intersect. And I mean, you, you have one of those classic stories, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like that they make a movie book. about. Right, right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like I'm sitting up here talking to the grown, like, what was the guy named from Minister Society? Yeah, right. Oh, dog. Oh, oh dog. No, no, no. You talking about Sharif? Oh, yeah. Sharif. Sharif. Which oh, one? The, the chocolate one? The one that lived. I've been, I've been <laughs> both. I've been both of them cats, right? Oh, dog, oh, dog did. Yeah. <laughs> I think some of my friends like, like to think of me as Sharif because when I started getting into my African consciousness, <laughs> right, right, I was right. coming. You know, I still had the six pack, but if you want one of my beers, you about to hear a whole bunch of history. You know what I'm saying? Right, 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 because right. I gotta unpack all this that I done been taking in to somebody, because I don't want to be the only one knowing all of this and just man. walking around having a conversation by myself. So, you know, all my homies, man, I appreciate y'all. Y'all sat through it all, but uh, hey, to oh, this day, homies. they they love it. We still sit around and build on that level because they've been building with me through the years as we all enhanced our consciousness together mm. you know what's cool too like we gotta get Kadiri on here too yeah That's my main man vegan hip-hop you know <laughs> farmer shouts out to the g the grower no but doubt. um but the interesting thing too is like you're so thugged out and so street 
And at the same time, it's like you will throw out some PhD words that I actually have to physically go on my phone <laughs> as you help me increase my vocabulary. You also are very like, you know, you're a scientist, you're a critical thinker, like you said. And I mean, I think in general, our people in our community have so much potential, have so much genius, have so much to offer and are undervalued on every level undervalued at work undervalued at school undervalued in homes just our people are just continuously undervalued so there's no place for them to actually have the quote unquote safety and the space to be in their greatness because it's Mm -hmm. like as soon as we be in our greatness here come jealousy i i really want to that's real point on that uh a couple different things even within it and i think G Max a great dude. Now I've heard this comment before where you've even told me this, Piper, and then sometimes I have to step back and it's like, damn, I'm kinda offended. Where you'll say it's so many women and even black women that say it's no dudes to stand up for black women. It's no black dudes that's doing what real they say. stuff for you, black women. That's and what I, they I'm say. To myself, I, I'm like, damn, seriously? It's right. like first off, I get offended. And right. then I know people like G Mac, but in the same hurt that a lot of men have. Mm-hmm. In our community has mm-hmm. yes. that hurt still exists with women. So I, I'm I'm being understanding of that pain, mm-hmm. and and in understanding of that pain, uh, it 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 takes like uh, to to even go outside of the scope of what could be different takes you outside of the zone. Like even today, it was so funny. Just like you know, you grow and you progress. It was a lady I saw walking down the street, and I thought she she reminded me of somebody. It sounds like that Usher the song of somebody <laughs> that I knew where she was real cool, and I was like, man, I should pull over and then you know approach her. And then I thought to myself, like, okay, I'm not even about to do that. And I definitely think in the world of game, I got enough juice where it can happen, but I don't even want to be the dude parking my car, walking down the street, rapping with her. I don't even want to make my introduction in that way at where I'm at right now in my mind towards interacting with women um it's it's like a different zone and different people in this journey i think that we carry uh, as like as men the cross we bear it, it takes a lot because it takes a lot some of the some of the 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 having one another's back in a world that really is very expectant as you say like mm. you know you're not going to get this and you're not going to get that in setting our own standard, because that's yes. really what it is. We have to set our own standard of success. We have to set our own barometer of accomplishment. That's we right. have to set our own standard of what we seek and expectation. Yes. And mm. and to do that and be self-determined, there we go, there we go, mm-hmm. uh, Kwanzaa, love it. Uh, to do that, it, it, you know, to, to unplug from this matrix, it's tough. Yes, it is. Because to even have that, in, in in that world where you know i know i god knows like the world uh as they say like sometimes the world is on your shoulders sometimes <laughs> i wake up and with what i'm facing I, I almost every day i feel like that game where uh in chuck e cheese where the little thing will pop out the <laughs> hole and you got a hammer and you hitting it and then sometimes i just have to step back and, and say damn i have gotten to this point I am where I'm supposed to be. So instead of seeking this outside admiration mm. or adoration, I need to just internally balance myself and say, "Damn, dude, you're 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 covering ground 
on so many levels. And congratulate uh, yourself. Yeah, and congratulate yourself and really be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a man, getting to that point mm. is a, uh, and it, that's what I'm saying. Crossroads that that it we have to be at in our own journey because our starting point on the track are so many different places. Mm-hmm. You know, and then sometimes a person can be. You know, we have to be willing to say to ourselves um, in the world of heroes, we have to say, okay, I'll follow this, this, and this from this man, but I can see he still, that's not a path where I want to follow this man in reference to these attributes Mm -hmm. or these characteristics or that. Like, you know, we have to like mix and match how we even, you know, set up our role models in Mm. life. Can I share this? When I I was a a little fella, I came up in, uh, in the church. Sunday school was the place where I got my best lessons in life. I don't know if it was being in that environment or if it was the conversation between children and elders. Because in Sunday school, wasn't really nobody there but children and elders. Hmm. Kids was there because we got dropped off there. The elders was there because they used to go into church all day to the end of the day. But anyway, the bottom line is we had a chance to get these wise instructions from the OGs like, at five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven years old. And so they always use this phrase, like you gotta take your rake and your shovel everywhere you go. Mm. And I don't know if everybody familiar with this <laughs> phrase, but the bottom line is you rake what's good to you and you shovel what you don't need away. Oh man, so, you went to a country ass yeah, church, brother. Exactly. <laughs> and, and this was in the heart of Detroit on the east side, you that know what I'm saying? Country but you know, we are all country because mm-hmm. we all come from south. Even right. south of America, but the, what I'm saying at the end Doesn't of the day, with that uh, um, K talk slip to a can of oil. <laughs> <laughs> but but I wanted to say that, and then in addition to that, I wanted to piggyback on Piper's original question about, or not question, but just her last comment that when you start to step into your greatness, here comes the jealousy, and so you know, greatness does not come without consequence, mm. and as you grow, you gain these new type of challenges. But that don't mean that you stop growing or that you stop continuing to step into your greatness. Just expect that as part of the signal that you're moving in the right direction. Mm. And embrace it. I mean, and it's interesting, too, because, like, all the way from, uh, remember uh, Boys in the Hood? Mm -hmm. That one scene was really, I mean, I'm very sensitive. So that one scene was real painful for me when um, the mother was like, you ain't shit. You ain't never going to be shit. Like... And, you know, just thinking about the people in our community. I had a conversation with one of the elders about that, um, how our families, and this is just black people in general, but how our families and our elders, um, you know, in that generation constantly tell you, you ain't shit, you ain't shit, you know. But it was to, quote, unquote, humble you. But in a historical context, it comes from slavery so that, you were protected. So mm-hmm. it, that kind of, you know, trying to keep you so-called grounded or humble um, as, as they viewed it, you know, was like a protection, right, or, that, or, they, or that here, they put on you. Here goes something else from that generation. You got to be double as good as white people. Mm-hmm. And so, like, right. this whole concept and this standard. The comparison. Yeah, that you're like, damn, you know what I'm saying? This imaginary white person that you think is... Uh, <laughs> Is is out here like if you study for one hour, it's like I need to be studying for two hours because this right. my imaginary white equivalent is out here. You know, it can can coast, which is know? linked to what capitalism, white supremacy is but, linked but to like all these in the toxicity. Mm-hmm. And this is like where I say like our community, 
is they're saying something, you know, they're saying it's through love that they're even saying that. Even like when I talk to some of the younger guys, when they say like, man, women just want a guy with money. They want a gold dig. And I'm like, look, I know that seems like, you know, you'll never have no chance with her. But in her mind, money is an asset that provides security. So what she's doing and what she's been conditioned to do is to secure herself. Like it's still out of a place in space of, 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 of of like I guess empowerment but it's just what the way she sees it is tough so those are some of the toughest discussions to have with the younger guys because I can straight up tell you when I was younger my mind was on rap and women so <laughs> somewhere between rap and women and that was pretty much you know that's where you are now not necessarily <laughs> at all I mean, I'm you. so far, but I know you joking, but <laughs> but I talk about it a lot just because I don't think most men even ne necessarily recognize like some of the most dangerous situations you end up in when you a young guy is you know um, over women like uh, the guy in the the guy in Doughboy Cash out Rock that just was murdered over here off Ewall Circle mm. this past summer. And before I even knew what happened, I was like, yeah, man, he was visiting some girl, some girl apartment and he got murdered. And, and they were like, how did you know? I was like, man, I don't even have to know. And I know what happened. You tw you in your mid 20s, the apartments off the of Ewall Circle and he not from this neighborhood. Mm. I know why you in an apartment off of Ewall Circle and you ain't from this neighborhood. Mm. I hear that story like some of this stuff like the the piece together and the danger uh like if I if, if I can empower anything to a younger guy I would tell them to be a lot more patient but that that's to any young person period but to try to express patience to a young person is like trying to mm -hmm. to tell <laughs> what <laughs> watching paint dry yeah you know, exactly it's like, it's like hey you need to be a little bit more patient and that's a uh, uh it I mean, I thought my my generation was very impatient, but Brittany may be able to speak to this a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But I think the the idols and the way that these things are packaged, you know what I'm saying? You're like you you get introduced to a concept like like Mark Zuckerberg, and you know you you pick up a, a a newspaper and you hear about some kid in Korea or some black guy that went to like you know some some uh, some pitch challenge and just got six hundred million dollars, and it's like hey. He's half your age and he got $600 million all ready to decide for him just because he made a, a new top that can go on a Gatorade bottle. And you like, damn, what am I doing with my life? It's it. mm. You know, and, and these ideas to that that negate the real work because the real work ain't sexy. If I tell you all of the people involved in uh, what make Drake's career, Drake's career, you you would be like, damn, you need like basically four four thousand people to have material investment in your success to actually be a success and i'll be like yeah and them ain't just four thousand regular people them four thousand people that you know probably and skills and that quality. have been doing it for like mm -hmm. 30 years right you know like when i tell you that even though they present a a, a 15 year old in front of you that that doesn't seem as cool as like oh man Justin Bieber just playing around in his uh with his iPhone on on YouTube and he becomes a mega star. Usher's like oh walking through the mall like hey aren't you Justin Bieber? Like mm -hmm. nah that ain't that's that's not real life. 
and, and that is what I would impart to not just young men, but young women. Like you got to be patient. And if you really were to see the side of the game that's real, it, it would show you the amount of uh, 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 of the machine. I always use this term. Like mm. I was telling Piper, like Piper was saying, we need to do this. We need to do that. William Morris Agency, Live Nation Entertainment, Ticketmaster itself. You know, um, it's only really like three record companies if you're interested in music. So, like, if I show you the machine, you're going to say, damn, I need to have a gateway into that. And you'll be surprised. You know, so I would say be patient, um, work hard to, to develop true uh, relationships that are, are are fruit bearing to the point where you know what you bring to the table and, yes. and they are very familiar with what they bring to the table and, and then function like that and, and move forward. That's what I would impart. And that's what I do impart upon many young men. But, you know, they they listen in bits and pieces like I did when I was young. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, too, because like. I mean, I still just keep thinking about that this dude was just like shopping for a motorcycle. Somebody just rolled up and just like pow, pow, pow. I remember I had a friend. I mean, this is a young woman. She was a friend of mine. Um, And so I grew up in the hood, 12th Street. Shouts out to 12th Street. Went to Northwestern High School. We had, um, you know, Detroit was, I mean, it still is. But at that time, very, um, especially the neighborhood I lived in, from one block to the next is like a different gang a different gang a different gang so the it it, it, from what i hear (laughs) the gangs were a little bit different in years past where it was like neighborhoods that had territories but through the 80s what i what i grew up in it, it could be like block to block that's another gang it's a like a whole different situation so um you know walking to school is pretty much like being in a war zone you know um i always make jokes and say i learned how to be a diplomat through um <laughs> through having to just catch the bus to go to school and walk no, to go to real. school <laughs> you know what i'm saying because i lived you know what i'm saying 12th street and they forced everyone that live on 12th street you gotta claim 12th it don't matter if you believe in gangs want to or not you have no choice like i was completely a nerd and it was like you better claim 12th nigga. It's like, okay, 12th Street. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then you walk, you know, I tease Yusuf. Like, you walk up to 14th Street, Zone 8. And, like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You walk through there, like, peace, hey, guys, how's everything going? Yeah, how's yeah, your mom? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you just keep moving through. Linwood, oh, another situation. You know what I'm saying? Dexter is yeah. a different, a it, it's one different block away from then, one uh, block. <laughs> and then and then there was. The number streets, you had P-Town. I mean, I'm Northwestern too, so it's like. And as the, soon as you cross, yeah. quote unquote, the bridge, A-T-B. which was technically, technically like two blocks from the freaking school, right? Yeah. Because you got Grand River. And then as soon as you go there where the freeway is now, that's quote unquote, the bridge. But the quote unquote, the bridge was like, you don't cross the bridge. <laughs> like, if you don't belong on that side of the bridge, there's no reason for you to be going over there. And it was like so-called, like socially, that was just like a social thing. Like, you knew it. It wasn't like, yeah. it, you know, it's like, oh, what are you doing over there? Why are you going over to the bridge? Like, blah, blah. But anyway, I'm saying that to say one of my homegirls had a boyfriend or a guy she was seeing, whatever. I feel like we were in maybe 10th Before grade. Before you even told the story. Yeah. 
Because I can tell you why I went across the bridge. What, why you weren't? Why I did. Of it course. because a girl. A girl, right. Yeah, hell yeah. So my girlfriend, she was uh, going, walking across the bridge with her boyfriend. He lived over there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, back in the day, you know, you walking, whatever. They walking over the bridge. And one of the guy, the one, some guy that didn't like her boyfriend or whatever, just back in the day, that's when they just were spraying people up and just sprayed them up. And she got shot. She don't have nothing to do with anything. She's just walking with her little teenage boyfriend. What are they, 15 possibly? Which is like the age of innocence, if you will. I mean, maybe not in the hood, but, you know, let's just frame it as such. <laughs> right? I think 15 is still pretty innocent. Yeah, it's still pretty innocent. You know what I'm saying? You walk across the bridge, she's walking, and then she gets shot. Thank God she didn't get killed. Um, To this day... You know, um, she got shot in her foot and her leg, so she could have moved her leg. She could have moved her foot. She walks, but she walks with a limp. Like, it was that whole thing. But it was, like, her whole, like you said, Kari, her, the trajectory of her life changed just because she had a crush on or was in a relationship with yeah. some little boy, right? Yeah. And whatever he was into, right? Like, maybe she was aware, maybe she was unaware. Who knows? But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, the point is they're just going to his house to hang out or whatever it is. And whoever he has the beef with, whatever he's into, just decides that they don't have enough value for her life. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not saying that them shooting or spraying or any of that's correct. But there wasn't even like a wherewithal to have a value for like, hey, hey, hold up. He's with a girl. I don't know. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean the but the consciousness like I say just due to these neighborhoods and that's what makes Northwestern so unique even more so than some of the other schools. And then that's the other thing too because like depending upon if you wanted to take the bus because that Grand River intersection, all the kids from oh, Murray Rank get off for cast yeah, or whatever. Nah. Yeah. So it's like, That's where you got to meet people. <laughs> I don't know if the introductions were that pleasant for many. But uh but the um the the intersections of so many of those different neighborhoods they all came together at at Northwestern, um, mm-hmm. and you're labeled as like it's labeled as gangs when it's really some community stuff. It like, is really community because, yeah. I, like I always would say, if I get into a fight at school, it'll more than likely get broken up after a couple swings. You know, you get in three good punches, you won. If if word gets out in my neighborhood that I didn't fight and somebody else was in a fight. Right, especially if they got like oh older brothers God. or something. It's gonna be crazy. I could possibly get be getting jumped the whole summer. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, who, and, and, who, uh, so depending like on I when could, they hear the story. Yeah, I could, you know, or they just, you know, get mad again and they, you know, jump me again. Like, so some of the 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 decisions uh, made, and I mean, when you told that story, I immediately thought of. Um, you know, rest in peace or rest in power as well. Uh, Way you see Ola Sola, you know, and Way you see who uh, spent his last years at Northwestern after he was shot and uh, spent his last, uh, his the rest of his time in a wheelchair. Right. Um, and Way you see did a lot of positive work about things and still had a great spirit. Like, you know, that whole situation 
went down just like Benji Simmons and uh, I mean Benji in uh, in Chicago. Like these stories are so commonplace. So commonplace. When 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 you know the danger involved is like I say, young people or just any people with access to guns, mm-hmm. uh, running emotions, <laughs> running emotions, guns generally don't lead to uh, fruitful outcomes. And the interesting thing or the crazy thing or the harmful thing, hurtful thing, the brother you're speaking of, um, when I first moved, yeah, when I first moved to Detroit in, well, moved back to Detroit from being in New York City in 1986, um, I was in the ninth grade. He was the first one of the first people at Northwestern that he was the first person at Northwestern who befriended me. Cause you know, when you knew nobody wanted to be your friend. <laughs> uh, and I remember he befriended me because I was from New York city. You know, I had just moved here from New York. Um, and so, you know, even though I was nerdy for whatever reason, I was, um, attacked you know, I guess because I was new, you know, and so it was a lot of gangs. And so it was these girls called the Gucci girls. You and, were pretty uh, and the new girl. OK, maybe that was some of it. And I was strange. You know what I'm saying? I was like, you know that song? She's strange, but I like it. That was me. <laughs> you, you definitely. I mean, me and you, even though we're coats till we yeah. die. The, yeah. the, the actual all years reunion is coming up soon. But, OK, we got to go to but, that. Um, Be careful. You are definitely. Um. You just gotta be careful because old people gonna be hitting the electric <laughs> slide. <you know? laughs> it's probably get a hip, <laughs> hilarious a hip replacement needed. But um, but uh, like strange bird, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And it's like you know what I'm saying, like and quote unquote, I like talked white, you know what I'm saying? And and then I had a New York accent, mm-hmm. and then you know I probably dressed a little different. You did, you know what I'm saying? And probably wore my hair a little different, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I had a New York swag, you know what I'm saying? Which is super confident, you know what I'm saying? So it was like whatevs, but it wasn't confident like a fuck you. It was a confidence like yeah, I belong in this world too, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember I was walking by myself through the hallway. And I was going up the stairs from one floor to another. And these chicks just came to me like, yeah, my brother said that he was trying to talk to you and you wasn't trying to talk to him. And I was like, I probably wasn't. And you know what I'm saying? Because I had that New York confidence. Like, what? You know? And uh, never mind that there were possibly seven or eight of them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm thinking that I got New York mentality. I'm ninth grade, whatever. So I'm like, yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah, probably so. And I remember this dude in the lunchroom trying to kick it to me and me just telling him, like, I'm uninterested in you. Like, no, thank you. So he must have told his sister or whatever. She came to me like, we're the Gucci girls. You know who we are? I was like, Gucci girls? You're corny. You actually name yourself after Gucci? You told him it was corny? I told him it was corny. I was very that. I was like, I was like, that's corny. And I I wasn't. Did you have a fight that day? Oh, man. They jumped me (laughs) in the hallway. But the crazy thing was, the crazy thing was they jumped me in the hallway. But the strange thing was, like, I had always remembered my friend told me, because I've been jumped a bunch of times throughout growing up, because I was just the one, like, blah, with my mouth. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) 
I hate getting around Piper. <laughs> it's one of them dangerous things. <laughs> Blow with my mouth. But you know what I'm saying? But I was also taught to, you know, fight and don't fear. And even though you a nerd, you know, just do the best you can to kick some ass. <laughs> and, you know, my cousins always told me, you know, they were like, look, if you ever get jumped, don't try to fight everybody. Pick just pick one and whoop the shit out of her. So I was like, that's a great strategy. So I did that, and I just chose the one that talked the most trash because I was like, yeah, let's get it. And so I just, it was in my focus zone, and I did, but I did that, plus I did a little dramatic thing that I used to do when it was time to fight, and it was this kind of Incredible Hulk thing that I used to do where I would make faces and start growling and look all crazy. I'll act like I was in a crazy home, and people would be like, she's nuts. And I was like, yeah, so I started acting more nuts like Mike Tyson. You know what I'm saying? Start looking on her. They would be like, oh, my God, she crazy. But anyway, after that situation, I remember uh, somehow I didn't get caught. Like, why were no security? Any who's a, we didn't really have security. We had security later. Our security beefed up, like, maybe that next semester. But um, so I just remember going to my class, being super late, and telling my teacher. And I had a class with him. And I remember him listening to me tell try to tell try to explain to the teacher why i was laid and what happened and blah 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 you know i got in trouble this and that so i remember after class he came up to me like yeah you know and he was just really kind and sweet we just became like really cool friends um he would talk to me about you know detroit and like kind of school me on like the culture and what to do and blah 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 he was just cool like that you know but he told me his story and his story was so heart-wrenching. Long story short, it was the same type of story. He was, I guess, living with his grandmother. And he had maybe like four or five brothers and sisters. He's the oldest. So let's maybe call the youngest like maybe four or five. And everything in between up to him, which he must have been about 14, right? Because we were in the same grade. So he said they were on their like porch and in the front yard like playing one day. And somebody just came down the street and they just sprayed up the street. His grandmother was on the porch and all his, um, I think he had all sisters, if I'm not mistaken, where everybody was in the front yard and they m murdered, they shot everyone that was outside. Um, they murdered his grandmother and all his sisters who were children outside playing like hula hoop, jump rope, jacks. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like 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 you do. And he was the only one that survived. So he had kind of a survivor's guilt as well that he had kind of been dealing with. Um and he had been through a lot of therapy and some other things. Um but like Kari was saying, his spirit was so vibrant and so bright and his outlook on life was always like to the future. You know what I'm saying? He had many injuries because he was shot multiple times and so they ruptured various like organs and things like that that eventually which is the reason he died gave out you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. like later in life though he was grown by the time that happened but i just think about that like here this person is that doesn't have anything to do with the foolishness yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. And that's the and that's the biggest tragedy. Or and all then, those people. And all then those along people with the that, it, and then, all those people have nothing to do with yeah. it. They were not even looking. Yeah. He wasn't even involved 
with any of that. It was just that the person lived on his block. Yes. And they were not sure what house, what house he lived in, but they knew he lived on that block. Come to find out, he the the dude didn't even live on that block. It was down a block. You understand what I'm saying? So they sprayed up the whole block looking for this guy, but it's like the the complications of the freaking ignorance of a person that's going to go do a hit that doesn't even research who they're hitting, where, where they hit. live, right. or where to hit. I'm not condoning any of this, but I'm just saying the multitude of stupidity on top of the the just yeah. You and know the, what I'm saying? I mean, it, it's it's uh, you know that was one of my guys uh, really close. I learned a lot, as you say, you learn from different people, and even to this day. Uh, Mario that works with them uh, Pioneers of Peace is the organization mm-hmm. um, And the work That uh, that was connected to everything Like it, it's so powerful And what really impacted The story for most people remember Is I mean he was He was uh, One of the few basketball players That could hang with Chris Webber and Jalen Rose At the time mm. So he was He was star athlete Mm. basketball player you know and um you know how it is when you're in high school and and you're you know getting invited to all these camps and this is like the start of those adidas camps and those nike camps and Mm, you know mm -hmm, you're meeting mm -hmm. people what is this the 90s yeah this is like late 80s Mm. early 90s you know what i'm saying so um you know so it you know his, his story is one of those stories like you say like i mean you you went into straight detail but um, you know the the tragedy of of having that awareness when you are involved, like what I'll say, when you're involved in the streets, you kind of have to know that you're that that carries a collar where you're 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 putting so many people in danger. Mm. And, and and nothing exists in a vacuum, right? Right. So shout out to Dakar Kilimanjaro. That was my African American history teacher mm. in the African Source Movement in the University of Kemet Press. But I just say that because. If you look at ancient civilization in Africa and other places in the world where we were before we were bothered by outside peoples, we had tribal formations. In, in some instances, we had great kingdoms and nations that we, with the tribes consolidated and they found ways to work together. We didn't really get to perfect that, though. Mm. At a point in time, other powers came in, a lot of invasions, a lot of wars. People came in, started taking us away from there and doing different things like that. So, But the bottom line is our development was arrested as a people. So when we find ourselves in communities, wherever we find ourselves around the world, we, we revert back to the level of development we were at when our development was arrested. We right. become tribal. We separate ourselves along borders of geography or either certain other characteristics like sororities and fraternities do Mm. and segregate ourselves into these little tribal groups. And the thing of it is, is the elders used to always say it's nation time, liberation time. But the message never made it to my generation of what do this nation time mean? Okay, because that means we still in the tribal mentality mm. and so it, we got to get to the point where we consolidate in the tribe and working together mm. as a nation so that we will stop these senseless murders of each other we should never be using guns against each other we should be pulling guns together any event that we need to defend ourselves against something that's stronger than us and if we got to resolve some disputes let's fist fight i'm thankful on my block we fought i had more fist right. fights 
than I can remember. But I don't care about none of that. And I didn't win them all. I, but I fought all of them. Right. I didn't stand there and get fought upon. So I'm just saying we we can, you know, people think you got to be a tough, this tough guy right. to make it in the hood and all of that. No, because the tough guy is the one who's intelligent enough to figure out how to avoid the conflict because the conflict could escalate to whatever level after it's out of the bag. Right. Hopefully we don't have to get into it. But if we do, let's just fight. You know? I mean, I'm all for the community ass whooping. I mean, I talk about it all the time. People, Hilarious. But people Real in talk. the social justice community, they always come after me like, oh, we have to be nonviolent. But we just, I mean, this is the thing. As much as I believe in non-judgment, blah, 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 shame has its place. Shame has a purpose. Shame, I mean, I'm not saying, like, shame people just on some, you know, <laughs> negativity. But, I mean, with a lot of the things that are going on in our communities, I mean, just like, I really hate to kind of round it out to that, but just like how these figures are missing right from these homes these balanced figures in these homes i mean i hate to say this all my feminist friends are going to kill me for saying this but there was value with getting your ass whooped and i'm not talking about abuse i'm not talking about sl the slave training i'm not suggesting that people spank their kids i'm not talking about that what i'm talking about is what do you do with people who violate you understand what I'm saying? It's people in our community that are consistently violating and they will continue to violate until th something is done with them or to them. And I'm not, I don't believe in prisons. I don't believe in police. Yeah, although I do self, understand. We should be self-regulating. We should be self-regulating. 100% agree. And not off of jealousy. Not <coughs> no, like, who does that dude think he is? Off of a council is? of elders. You know council what I mean? A body elders. that we elect to be in place to help us to come to these conclusions and then yeah if they need to they should get the the face pounding i mean i mean i'm just thinking about <laughs> the, con the, the 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 consistent people that violate in our community like what would that look like for 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 people to circle up and then be like oh you know what we're not gonna tolerate this in our community it's so many people i mean and then i think about you know, the impression that this that these systems have had on our brothers and sisters that come back to our community, to us. Like a lot of our people are coming back to us harmed. You know what I'm saying? Like full of trauma, full of harm. Mm -hmm. So I'm not I'm not talking about like re-traumatizing folks or like harming folks. But I am speaking to what do we do with these people that are consistently in our communities spreading this toxic harm and then violating people and that creates other you understand what i'm saying like that that's how the cycle continues because hurt people hurt people and it's there going you know. on down the line you know what i'm saying how do we curb this you know what i'm saying because like i said i don't believe in prisons i don't see any rehabilitation ever happening inside of a prison i don't see a cage or any of that as being a space for like any human being i don't see uh, police as being valuable in our community. I don't see police as being loving or, you know what I'm saying? Like showing us any sort of uh, compassion or any sort of rehabilitation. You know what I'm saying? They could so, probably point to one or two. I could possibly. Uh, shouts out to the ones at Shane Park, though. 
Um, I will give it up for the ones at Shane Park that 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 protect the artists and stuff. The, the, they're cool, but I've never had to have a confrontation with them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Rick Ross definitely is thanking them as well. Right. <laughs> but I guess like maybe that's another podcast. Like, what does accountability look like in yeah. our community? And the whole conversation we didn't even get to the art me, stuff. Yeah. But <laughs> let's do. I would like to get everybody to give a. Um, can everybody give like a, a a Jerry Springer final thought going around? Jerry like, Springer. A final thought. <laughs> <laughs> a final thought. Yeah. So I'm going to make my so. final thought be a... Uh in the in the spirit of shake on the Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yes. Somebody my final favorite. Thought after. That's one of my my favorite one of the scholars in our community. One of yes. the dopest scientists, multi genius people. But the bottom line is, um, I would say, let's let's just continue to use the best of the information that's in front of us. And so, in order for us to really make good decisions, we have to equip ourselves with good intel and good information. And a lot of the things that we deal with, a lot of the problems that we have is because we got toxic information going through our brain and we're making decisions using that. So uh, to that point, you know, I would I would just encourage people to do some studying, following in the tradition of the great authors, like I said, uh, Sheikh Ante Diop and um, Chancellor Williams and... Uh, Jonathan Jackson. I mean, I could go on and on and on, but the bottom line is there's a body of work out there where people have deconstructed our colonial mind frame for us, and we can dig into that and get into the place where we take ourselves from this tribal state to a nation state where we can um, start to move more in harmony. All right. Brittany? That was a, that's a tough follow-up, but... <laughs> I feel you. I'm you just want gonna, me to go? I'm just going to keep it at, remember you have a spirit, remember you have a soul, hmm. and remember that others do too, and hmm. to pierce through the physical. Hmm. And sometimes it may be tough, but through it all, just remember that there is a spirit, there is a soul, and just respect that and try to improve on that. Love always. Okay. That's what's up. Uh... I would say um, this was a very deep topic. Uh, I think we were mo- mostly talking about it. We started talking about uh, young brothers. So what I would say is I-, I can't impress upon you more. You know, try to have that patience. Um, be willing to uh, not idol worship a person for everything that they do, but um, be understanding of, of finding certain character traits and attributes uh, not defined by actually who the person is, but more so by the acts that they fulfill based on where they were at in their journey in life. So I would say admire a person based on where they're at in life and the decisions they make more so than a person for uh, the package at which you receive them and that they even present to you. Yeah, I would say um, I'm in gratitude to this conversation and I'm in gratitude to everybody that um, participated. We all got to get together again and have some more conversations about other stuff because y'all are just super dynamic. Um, And I would say drink water. I mean, my goodness, man, like we we need to drink water and breathe and get some 
some raw vegetables in our system. It's like, it's going to be another podcast about health and the toxic stuff that we put in our bodies and our minds and our, you know, our neurotransmitters are all clogged up from hot chips and <laughs> Jolly Ranchers and stuff. But um, I'm just thinking about, you know, uh, th- that I've been prioritizing health in my life personally uh, after living, you know, in through v- or making it or sur- should I say surviving mm-hmm. various toxic situations that um, if I hadn't prioritized my health, I believe possibly I would have been a more toxic person, whether I would have enacted that toxicity more inward or projected it more outward, you know, remains to be seen. But I feel like because I personally, I'm speaking as a testimony, I feel that because I took the time to, 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 to let go of what I felt was important, which was these things were outside of me, um, goals, you know, and I'm speaking about things that we're taught to value, right? Like success and goals and this and that. But I'm just speaking from a testimony, letting go of a lot of what um, I felt was important was really integral to me actually going inward and having to face a lot of things that I had to fix and I'm still working on. And through that process of doing a lot of the self-reflection, it was very painful. And sometimes it is very painful, but it's a, such a necessary process in terms of, um, you know, breaking down or destroy the build or, you know what I'm saying? Like in the process of becoming a better human, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, maybe everybody is not necessarily there yet per se, but I'm hoping that people that are listening that are feeling like sometimes it's painful to look in the mirror or sometimes it's painful to think about what happened to you or sometimes it's painful to think about these things that you're going through. Um, That pain, you know what I'm saying, is also a part of, you know, who you are as a person. And so being able to look at those things and not looking at them as things that actually happen to you, but things that you are somehow responsible for. You know what I'm saying? Even if it seems as though something that happens to you, which, you know, which is probably true, but also too, what, what can you do differently? Right. Number one, about how you react to these things that are outside of you, but also too, how do you shift your mindset and, 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 and the way your, your outlook or view or the way you're thinking about things so that you can actually get to a healthier place of the way you're operating and, 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 and moving through life. You know what I'm saying? So, um, that's a process, you know, um, but that's one thing that I would share. You know what I'm saying? Powerful, powerful stuff. That's big. Thank you so much. Thank you, Clary. Thank everybody. All right. Peace, peace. 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 Yeah!
Public Enemy's Minister of Information, Professor Griff, celebrates the 30-year anniversary of the best hip-hop album ever. Thursday, June 28, 2018, at the Jam Handy. Witness a special behind-the-music unsung tribute to Public Enemy's It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back album. Hip-hop performances from Mahogany Jones, Kari Way Frazier, and more will honor the landmark album. The Black History 101 Mobile Museum and Khalid El Hakim will be present with special artifacts, memorabilia, and music from Public Enemy. Tickets are $20 and limited. Purchase your tickets today online at www.detroitisdifferent.com. This event is produced and supported by Detroit is Different, Black History 101 Mobile Museum, Men of Courage, and Lauren Hood.